If you would, turn in your copies of God's Word to the book of Habakkuk. You will find it, if you're using a pew Bible anyways, on page 785. What we're going to do is we're going to read the entirety of chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 2. That will uh, take us through the text we looked at last week, the first 11 verses, and then uh, also through the text we'll be meditating on tonight, verses 12, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, on through to chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy word. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold... I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, to march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O, o Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. He rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower 
and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Let's come to the Lord and ask for his help. Lord, we would ask for your help this evening. We would ask for your help as we meditate on this, these serious, serious things. Lord, as we look at your word, we want to know it. We want to come to these prophets you've given us and we want to understand what's going on, what they're talking about. Lord, we want to learn the lessons that you have taught these prophets. We want to hear the words you preached to the people then. And and Lord, we want to know how you would have us apply them now. Lord, we have come to hear from you to worship you. We long to know you and to know your word. So we would ask that, like the disciples on the Emmaus Road, you would open our eyes, that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to see Jesus in your word, that we would know you. Lord, we uh, want to have affection for you, and so we pray that you would move upon our hearts this evening and that you would help us as we meditate on your word. We'd ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The absolute sovereignty of God is a biblical doctrine. It's a beautiful truth revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. The Westminster Confession defines it this way. God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures. God has predestined everything that comes to pass. That means that every single thing in this world has purpose. Every event, everything that you experience, everything is happening by design. And that is the wonderful truth. You can walk through this world as time unfolds and walk with the Lord like a child even, asking that question, why? and look and walk before the face of God. And yet this truth is a lot easier to get excited about when life is all puppy dogs and ice cream, right? When everything is going good and wonderful. But it can become extremely difficult when bad things happen because we're left asking that question, why why, Lord? Why, why me? Why, why that one? This is where we find Habakkuk in our passage. He's got questions, complaints, and you can see those in verse 13 and verse 17. Habakkuk has just learned that God was about to bring an invasion upon Judah, and through that, he would bring revival. But this revival is going to come at the cost of a nasty invasion by the hands of the Babylonians. In this passage, the prophet aims to teach his readers how to live by faith when they are struggling with hard providence. 
He does this by demonstrating how he dealt with unresolved questions about providence. So let's begin. We'll we'll begin uh, thinking on uh, what he's learned, what he's teaching. We're going to start with pray regarding truth. That's our first heading, pray regarding truth. As the book of Habakkuk opened, we're introduced uh, to the prophet Uh, who is distraught about the national sins of Judah. Ever since the death of King Josiah in 609 AD, uh, the religious reforms were being forgotten by his son and successor, Jehoiakim, who was leading the nation into quick moral decay. And the prophet was taking this matter before God in prayer, He was initially asking God to bring about repentance and revival, but when his patience began to run out, he turned, his prayer that is, turned into a personal protest about God's inaction or what he perceived to be God's inaction. It it quite frankly didn't seem like God was answering his prayers, like God was doing anything about this. Well, the Lord broke his silence and Habakkuk learned that he couldn't have been more wrong. God was way ahead of him in providing a resolution. God said that he would bring Judah to repentance and revival through an invasion of the Babylonians. God tells uh, the prophet what Judah can expect, and it isn't pretty. And Habakkuk is crushed. He's, he's crushed. He's seen a vision of this. He, he knows what to expect. And he's utterly crushed. The news is so bad that the prophet's body is showing signs of this stress. It's showing signs of this anxiety. Has this ever happened to you? You've received news. It's so bad. You feel physically Sick. It's like you could feel your blood pressure rising. You start sweating. Uh, you become nauseous. In, in Habakkuk 3.13, the prophet describes his, his physical reaction. He says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. So what does Habakkuk do? What are you supposed to do when the world comes crashing down on you? When you receive gut-wrenching news, when you learn about hard providence. Because one thing's for certain, unbelief is not an option. Running is not an option. And isolating is not an option. The prophet turns immediately to prayer, doesn't he? He comes before the face of God and he begins to remind himself about what he knows to be true. What he knows are facts because God has revealed them to him in his word. In verse 12, the prophet prays, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? Now, this is a rhetorical question, right? It's it's a statement in the form of a question. The prophet says, you are from everlasting. 
You're the eternal one. You know the end from the beginning. Habakkuk reminds himself that God knows everything. He knows what's best, even if we look at the situation and we can't see it. The prophet knows God knows everything. He knows what he's doing. Habakkuk confesses that God is the Holy One. He reminds himself that the Lord is holy and pure and good. God reminds us again and again and again that he is holy. The angels proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Habakkuk must remind himself of God's character, especially as questions begin to arise in his heart. Questions that might pose something different. Notice that in verse 12, the prophet calls God by his covenant name, Jehovah, or Yahweh. It's marked by the word Lord in all capital letters. The prophet reminds himself that the Lord is a covenant God. This is the name he's revealed to his people. He's a covenant-making God, a promise-making God. He's a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And the prophet calls out to him with that name. That's why he says, we shall not die in verse 12. God's purposes of grace are linked with the seed of Abraham and the seed of David. God will preserve his people and he will keep every promise. The Babylonians would come if that is what the Lord had decreed. God is in control. He has the power and the authority to do all of his holy will. In verse 12, Habakkuk continues to pray, O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You see, the prophet acknowledges the absolute sovereignty of God. The Lord's hand cannot be restrained. Habakkuk is trying to think. He's trying to process the news that the Babylonians will be invading. And so he reminds himself of God's attributes, of God's character, who God is. Habakkuk is establishing the facts so he can process his questions. That's what private investigators do, isn't it? When they come upon a scene. They look at a scene and they take inventory. They write everything down. They establish all of the facts of the case. They make a list of everything they know to be true. And then they begin to wrestle with questions in their mind in order to resolve the case. Every time they have a theory, they check it against the facts. If the theory is inconsistent with the facts, it's dismissed. Believer, when you are facing hard providence, when something bad happens, your mind is going to start racing 
A thousand questions are going to come up in your mind and in your heart. Pray. Remember the facts about God. God is good. God is holy. God is faithful. God is in control. God knows all things. All things are working together for your good. And every promise that God has made will be fulfilled. Habakkuk comes before God in prayer and he reminds himself of God's character. And then he raises his uncertainties before the Lord. You see, you should pray regarding uncertainty. That's our second heading. Pray regarding uncertainty. Well, like a detective, Habakkuk has established the facts in his mind, or at least he's uh, continuing to repeat them in his mind. But he can't quite square God's character with what he says he's going to do. The prophet is struggling to see how it's consistent, how it's compatible. God wants to use the Babylonians as a tool in his hand to correct and purify his people. It's for their good. But the prophet is struggling with this. He doesn't like it. It's too hard. Habakkuk is not satisfied. He sees the ultimate purpose in the invasion, but he's still troubled about using the Babylonians to punish Judah. Sure, Judah was far from righteous. Habakkuk was complaining about that. He was complaining that God wasn't doing anything to correct that. But the Babylonians were wicked. Habakkuk is having trouble seeing how God's plan is consistent with his holy character. And he doesn't hide that, does he? He raises his questions before the Lord in prayer. In verse 13, he prays, You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? The prophet says, whatever else I'm certain of, I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. God cannot look upon evil without hating it. He detests it. All evil in the world is utterly abhorrent to God because of his purity. He's of purer eyes than to behold evil with complacency. God and evil are opposites. Anything unjust or cruel is far removed from the character of God. And the Babylonians... The Babylonians, they are notoriously wicked. The prophet starts presenting his reasons why God's plans don't make sense to him. In verse 14, Habakkuk says, By raising up the Babylonians, you'll be making mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no rulers. He He continues in in verse 15. He says, The Babylonian army brings 
all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with a net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Habakkuk gives a vivid and accurate description of what the Babylonian conquest will look like. Archaeologists have found Babylonian art depicting prisoners of war being marched off into captivity, all strung along with hooks going through their cheek or through their lower lip. No pity was shown to the defeated. To to the Babylonians, life was cheap. Prisoners of war were expendable. People were like fish to be captured and consumed. On top of all of this, the Babylonians were idolaters. In addition to their idols, their God was power and they trusted in their own military prowess. You can see that in verse 16, can't you? The prophet says they sacrifice and make offerings to their net. They, they worship their military might. They worship the, the gods of power and of violence. And what bothers Habakkuk is that they seem to be rewarded for it. He says they eat rich food and live in luxury. The prophet doesn't understand what God is doing. How could God give the Babylonians victory over Judah? Why would God let them succeed? And Habakkuk wants to know how long the Lord is going to let this perceived injustice continue. You can see that in verse 17. The prophet asks, how long God will let them kill the nations without mercy? Habakkuk wants to understand, so he prays. He asks questions. He raises his concerns, even his complaints. God is going to use the Babylonians as an instrument to correct and shape and purify his people. He's doing it because he loves them. And he's going to use this experience to teach Habakkuk as well. Do you remember what happened when God told Abraham about his intentions with Sodom and Gomorrah? If so, you'll remember that Abraham was concerned about justice. And so he kept bringing his question before the Lord over and over and over again. You remember, what about 50? What about 45? Say there's 40. Do you remember that? The Lord was patient with Abraham's questions and ensured him that he would be just. Brothers and sisters, do you find yourself with questions about how God is ruling this world, this nation, the church? How about what he is doing in your life? Do you have questions about that? Are you struggling to understand why? If so, then learn from Habakkuk. Bring your questions before the Lord. Do it with reverence and sincerity. Be as honest as you're able. Ask away. Grow in intimacy with him by revealing everything. 
That's how you grow in intimacy, isn't it? To tell something to people, to continue to let them in further and further and further. They know things about you that no one else does. You're super intimate with someone. If you have questions, come before the Lord. Reveal your questions. Grow in intimacy with Him. Expose it all. We see that Habakkuk affirmed what he knew to be true. And then he pointed to what he couldn't comprehend. He asked questions and he waits for answers. We see that we should pray regarding answers. That is our third heading. Pray regarding answers. Habakkuk is confronted. He's confronted by the fact that God was raising up the Babylonians, a people altogether worse than his own nation, and that he was going to use them for his own purposes. And the prophet didn't understand. He wrestled with the problem before the Lord in prayer. He told God about his uncertainty, and he asks the Lord for answers. And now the prophet knows he must diligently wait upon God. In chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. You see, after bringing your prayer to God, you should wait upon him for answers. Habakkuk suggests this when he says that he's going to go to his watchtower. A watchtower was often built in a grain field or in a vineyard to provide a place for a god, a guard to keep eye upon the harvest. It was also a tower that was used on the city wall for a soldier to look out. Right? He would be stationed there. And it was a watchman's job to do what? to keep out a sharp eye, to look up if there might be an enemy or, or maybe a robber if they were in the field. Um, they needed to keep their eyes open. They needed to listen intently. They needed to stay alert, to pay attention. You see, the watchman, he had an agenda. He had a job to do, something that he was supposed to do. When you've got a serious burden on your heart and you lift it up before the Lord in prayer, you ought to be like a watchman awaiting his reply. Are you watching and waiting for God's replies? Are you paying attention? Are you looking for answers? Do you assume he's going to answer? And so you keep your ears open. You keep your eyes open. You keep reading his word. Are you listening diligently? Have you ever tried to teach someone who just wasn't interested in learning? Uh, you're trying to uh, teach them, and just by looking at their body language, you can tell that they are not interested. They're not looking at you in, in the eye. You can uh, tell they're not taking notes, of course. You can tell that uh, this is probably just a gigantic waste of your time. Let me ask you this, though. Have you ever had the pleasure of teaching someone who is eager to learn? 
They, they are listening intently. They, they are looking at you. They're taking notes. Sometimes they, they ask questions. These are two opposite experiences. Well, in verse 1, Habakkuk says that he's going to watch for the Lord's answer like a watchman on a tower. And he continues in verse 1 saying he's going to look out to see what he will say to me. What's he going to say to me? Habakkuk is interested in the Lord's answer. He wants to know what the Lord will say. He has a teachable spirit. You see, he's got sincere questions. He wants to learn. He wants to understand. He's ready to take notes. When you ask the Lord for answers, you must examine your heart. Are you teachable? Do you want to learn? Will you yield to God's answer if it isn't what you want to hear? There's nothing wrong with wrestling with the problems in your life and seeking to better understand what God's will is. But you must be aware lest you forget yourself and you find that you're simply complaining and debating with God. Like Habakkuk, you ought to be teachable and wait to see how God will answer. You might ask the question, how can I expect to hear from God? Where am I going to find these answers? Well, God answers in a number of different ways. He might answer you as you read his word or as you listen to sermons. For instance, as you are reading scripture, he might shine a light upon a passage that answers your question, that brings light to your situation. And you know it's from him. God might also lay something upon your heart or upon your mind that's unmistakable. If so, it will always be an answer that is consistent with the Word of God, never contrary. Never inconsistent or contrary. Other times, God might answer your prayers by providentially moving the circumstances in such a way that His will cannot be missed. It can't be denied. For instance, you might be asking the Lord whether or not you should work at a particular company. You might be bringing up this before the Lord, only to learn a month later that they've gone out of business. Well, the Lord, by His providence, has made that answer very clear to you. Verse 1 ends with the prophet saying, I will look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. In order to formulate how he's going to reply to God's answer, Habakkuk is going to have to keep wrestling with these hard questions until it's an answer. How is he going to do it? You remember from the first point, like a private investigator, he's going to compare his thoughts and questions over against the facts. Where can he find the facts? Where can you find absolute truth? The Word of God. The Scriptures. The prophet says that he is going to continue to meditate on his questions. He's going to keep wrestling with his own heart and his reaction to the news he has been given. 
Habakkuk was struggling with God's answer. He considered it bad news. News he didn't want. News that made him feel physically sick. God told the prophet that he was going to raise up the Babylonians to conquer Judah and to bring about their repentance. Again, the prophet sees the ultimate purpose of the invasion, but he is troubled about using the Babylonians. Can't understand how God's plan is consistent with his character. So he wrestles with God in prayer. In this passage, the prophet aims to teach his readers how to live by faith when they're struggling with hard news and circumstances. He does this by demonstrating how he dealt with unresolved questions as he received this answer from the Lord. The prophet teaches that you ought to pray to resolve hard providence. Habakkuk came before the Lord in prayer and he rehearsed what he knew to be true and he confessed that he was distraught over the Lord's decision. He was concerned how it could possibly be good. And Habakkuk prayed that the Lord would give him an answer and waited upon him. The Lord Jesus has blessed you with something that Habakkuk didn't have. You have the whole counsel of God to search through and cling to. Genesis to Revelation. You can pray with the benefit of knowing that God has fulfilled all his promises concerning Christ. You've experienced a full demonstration of God's love for you in Christ, right? Because you've embraced Jesus as Lord and as Savior. Pray regarding truth, uncertainty, and answers. Pray to resolve hard providence and wait upon the Lord for his reply. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in the things that we have read and heard, we've not heard an answer regarding why you choose to decree the things you choose. Lord, we would look to you for answers. We see as we look at the book of Judges that this is what happened. Often, the church would fall into sin and that you would raise up someone to invade the people would cry out to you and that you would rescue them and that this cycle happened again and again and again. Lord, we have seen in your word so many times the same question. You must know how often we are shaken by the struggles of this life, how often we need to be reassured that you are a saving God, that you are good and that we ought to trust you. And yet, Lord, it is very difficult when you are as weak as we. Broken vessels, Lord. Lord, our faith isn't strong. We would ask that you would uphold us, that you would strengthen our faith. For those of us that are struggling, Lord, with hard providence, health issues, 
people in our lives that are struggling, we would lift them to you. Lord, we know that we aren't always going to find answers to every question. But Lord, we pray that you would help each and every one of us by giving us strength and comfort, that we would look to you, that we would trust you, uh, that we uh, would hear from you. Lord, would you provide all that we need. We'd ask for your help, Lord. We'd ask that you would use us and strengthen us for your glory's sake. We'd ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.